0: Welcome to the Imperfect Action Podcast, and this is Brock Edwards, and today's guest is Paul Ozenkup. Uh, really excited to have him on. He, he kind of approaches things from a little different angle, like, like most of the guests do. And so, Paul, um, why don't you just introduce yourself and
1: let, let folks know what you do? Well, thanks, Brock. Uh, I, re- I really appreciate you having me on, and I'm excited to share a little bit of time with you and, and talk. Uh, yeah, my name is Paul, and what I do... I have a great job. I get to go all over the country and meet different people. And essentially what I try to do is, is provide strategies to help people create more connected, fun, and intentionally positive places to work. So that might be through workshops, uh, might be through um, small talks or keynote talks, but, and sometimes it's like around humor at the workplace, uh, humor and leadership, or it might be more serious topics like conflict resolution and communication. But the overarching theme is how are we creating a positive place to work, whether it's like individually for yourself or for your, your entire culture. So
0: all right. So how, how do you do that? Like, I, I mean, I know that's a really broad question, but you said, you know, help people create, you know, connected fun uh, places to work. And I was, I actually had more there, but I can't even read my own writing as so I was rapidly taking notes there while you were talking. Um, and you talked about human leadership, conflict resolution. Um, well, you know, let, let, let's go. I mean, I think the, the idea of creating connected fun, positive, places to work uh you know everyone appreciates that but humor and leadership that's not something we normally put together Mm -hmm. yeah you know uh go ahead oh no so i was just gonna ask you know so so what is that about how do we do it why is it important and of course you know everyone's expecting you to be really funny on cue right now because that's what you're about
1: about. oh you do humor or you know i I used to do a lot of stand-up comedy and improv so it's always like tell me a joke uh, or be funny, and may, maybe some humor will come out. We'll we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I don't typically do well when it's like do it on command right now. Unless, of course, I'm I'm hired to put together a, a talk or a workshop, then I I intentionally work that in. But I'll tell you right. this, good, I'll good tell to man, this: good to manage expectations right from the start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, let's start, set the bar low, man. The the, the one thing I I tell people is never introduce someone and say, this is the funniest person on earth. They are going to have you rolling. Uh, I'm always like, no, let's just introduce me like all serious like and then all the laughs come as a nice added bonus. Um, But uh, I'll I'll tell you this, though, In, in saying that a lot of what I do with the humor stuff is help people figure out how to use humor strategically. Because a lot of times we, we just hope for humor to work its way into our day or expect that like, oh yeah, you know, funny stuff will happen or maybe I'll, I'll say or do some funny things, uh, but we could actually learn to do it strategically. And so uh, there's, and, and with that uh, get a lot of benefits for both personally and in the work world competitively. So that's a lot of, of what I do. And, you know, like little things, for example uh, you know, we're talking about managing expectations or as I'm, as I'm getting prepared to speak to folks, I'll intentionally kind of like adds, add little bits of humor into say my, my bio as, you know, one of the most awkward things is like when people are introducing you, and you're supposed to give them a bio to re- to read, and it's it's all it's supposed to be like all this like impressive stuff for your audience, like oh, he's done this and worked with five Fortune 500 companies and uh, and people. Wow, oh my gosh, what a treat to have this great accomplished person there. But I think it's important uh, for me and, and, and for anybody to really kind of show the human side as well. And so whether that's through humor or anything else, but you know, like one of the things I'll, I'll do is do, you know, two brags and a joke. So I'll say things like his, his work has been highlighted in Forbes success magazine and on his mom's refrigerator. And it, it, it gives the event planner what they want, uh, which is, Hey, we want people to know that, we've got somebody here who uh, is credible, but it also kind of lets the audience know he doesn't take himself too serious and he's a pretty approachable guy. So,
0: Yeah. So, so that makes a lot of sense, especially when you're talking about, you know, being a speaker and helping people understand, um, you know, getting a message across it, you know, being mildly entertaining helps quite a bit. And if you can be really entertaining, it, it really helps. But what is the important just, What in day-to-day leadership, you know, we we normally don't think about funny leaders. Um, In fact, I think a lot of us know leaders who we wish weren't trying to be funny Um, or, you you know, or they approach humor wrong. So I guess what's the importance of humor and uh, where does it go wrong or what's the best way to get it right is probably a better question.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good question. And, you know, even before we even before we get it even really into leadership, for example, or using it in a, a work setting. I think the first context is well, what's the benefit of humor in terms of self development and everyday life and our everyday well being? And that's what I transition to a lot with groups that I work with is yeah, well, you can use humor as a competitive advantage as a leader, and it does. Uh, you know the the research shows that leaders who use humor successfully are seen as more credible, uh more competent, more capable, they're promoted more often, uh paid more. So sure, there's a lot of reasons to be able to to get good at that. That being said, I think the the bigger reason is looking at what kind of life do we want to lead. And there are many more health and psychological and, and mental well-being benefits to exercising our sense of humor than any any benefit we're going to get out of business. And so, for, for example, I, I, a lot of people say, like, uh, a lot of people will um, give advice that you just need to laugh it off or have a sense of humor about things. And I think that's great advice, but no one ever really kind of tells us how to do it. Uh, it's like, well, we just need to have a sense of humor about life. And it's like, well, when am I supposed to, supposed to do that? Like when, when I lock the keys of my rental car in a trunk on the way to an important meeting, like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to laugh it off. No, like I freak out. And it's hard to just have a sense of humor in the moment. So uh, one example of a mindfulness strategy, many of your listeners may have heard of like a gratitude journal where you write down things you're Mm -hmm. grateful for. And that helps, helps with uh, overall uh, mindfulness and stress, but researchers at university of Zurich who are uh, also affiliated with um, our international professional humor association that, that I'm a part of the research that they did on some humorous interventions similar to that is people who wrote down three things they found funny each day for a week. So at the end of the day, you're brushing your teeth and you think about, well, what kind of, what kind of things that I find funny today or that happened that were funny and then write down three things each day for a week that people who did that increased their overall levels of happiness and decreased depressive symptoms for up to six months. That's a well-being factor that, Yeah, that's then going to probably play into our performance at work and all that kind of stuff. But that's just a fun thing we can do to make life better. And I will tell you this, that you start to see life when you're looking through a lens like that differently. And ultimately, something will happen throughout your day that normally might piss you off or make you scared or freak out. And you'll think, oh, I'll be writing that down later. And that's when you know you're training your brain to start to see the humor in real time, rather than than just retrospect.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. I've never thought of you know well, it's just as you were describing it, similar to kind of a gratitude journal, having having a humor journal. Um, yeah, that's just really got got me thinking there, and, and I've also never considered like humor in self development, like you know, humor's great, you know, I'd much rather laugh than cry, but as a, as a tool, as a process, as a way of creating self-development, I've never considered it through that lens before. Um, That's pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, our life so much is a mirror. So we, we get back what we're putting out there or looking for. Uh, I mean, think about social media, the things you search for, the things that you're liking, Uh, that kind of stuff, you're going to get a lot of that back through the algorithms. And I think life is, is that way a lot as well. And so um, as you start to kind of like exercise your humor muscles, you start, you start to see funny things more often. And I've got, I've got a colleague, Karen Buxman, who says uh, it's more important to see funny than to be funny. And I, and I wholeheartedly uh, agree with that.
0: So when we think about like this humor in, in self development, Paul, um, and you're talking about it kind of as a long term strategy, like you know every day writing th- down three things that that you find funny, and and over time being able to see the funny sooner, to be able to kind of kind of switch that that perspective or that approach as we go. Is there a a practical way that we can use humor um, also just in real time? Like you talk about, you know, okay, you lock your keys and then the trunk of the car on the way to a client meeting. Um, Obviously, you're more worried about what the client's thinking right then and feeling kind of dumb than just thinking about what could be funny. But is, is there kind of any kind of practical way we can help shift ourselves in that moment to, if not finding it hilarious, at least getting unstuck, you know, being able to move forward?
1: Well, absolutely. And even if it's not in that moment, maybe the locking the keys in the car thing, it's like in that moment, it may just not be funny. You you, you know, you're late, you need to make some decisions and make some phone calls and, and whatever. That being said, we can, uh, in, in real time, pad our surroundings with humor and, and, you know, really prime the pump for positivity in a lot of different ways. So that uh, so that those real life stresses that we don't find funny in the moment, life start, the ups and downs starts feeling less like a roller coaster and, and more like a merry-go-round or something. And, and so, for example, some of those real strategies might be I, – I noticed this when I would drive to work. I had a 40-minute commute to work, and it wasn't a bad commute, but I would listen to the news uh, podcasts. And because I wanted to be informed and I liked it, but I was always so stressed out uh, both on on my way to or from work and realized sometimes I'm not in the mood for music first thing in the morning, but I got to figure something else out to get me in a right frame of of mind to go into work. Because why would I want to go into work already full of tension and negativity? And so there are all sorts of uh, humorous podcasts. And if, if humor is not your thing, th- these are strategies that can be used for, any, you know, with, with anything else. Maybe it is music or something more uplifting that you want to, uh, listen to. There's a, a po- uh, an app called laughable that has pretty much every comedian you could ever think of. And you can search by name it'll have, uh, bits by them, uh, podcasts they've been on, uh, that's an easy thing that we can throw on rather than things that make us stressed out. So we're we're increasing our surroundings with funny things and that's a strategy for well-being because we know that w- when we laugh, even when we find something amusing, it starts to create all of this like dopamine and serotonin in our brains that's responsible for the chemicals that help us de-stress and relax and connect with other people with the oxytocin and all that kind of stuff. So,
0: so what, what gets in the way then, then Paul, cause but like what, what you're just describing there, like we know we feel better when we
1: laugh, even if we yeah, don't know all the, so like, you know,
0: but
1: yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to me because a lot of this stuff is common sense, but not common practice. And mm. I, your question, what gets in the way, is uh, a lot of times, and particularly when I'm working with leaders, we learn at a, at a young age as we start moving into the professional world, and our, and our work culture uh, thrives on this, is that we need to quickly show to other people how confident, competent, and capable we are. And it's constantly like, let's get more leads, get more sales, get a promotion. And then at, at some point you get into a leadership position and it's like, uh, okay, now you need to also show that you're humble and you are a real person and you, you know that you're cool and people like you. And it's like, man, I've been working my whole life. I'm being awesome. So <laughs> now how do I do that? And I think it's scary to look silly. And and so part of it is the the courage to put yourself out there and and go, you know, this is important to me. Uh, And I I do like laughing and I can harness some humor even in work settings or other places in in a strategic way. So I think part of it is like letting go um, and making it a priority. And it's just like anything else, you know, like I can hope that I'll eat healthy. This upcoming week, but if I don't stock my refrigerator with fruits and vegetables, then that's probably not going to happen. So I can hope that I get a lot of laughs in this week, or that it's a it's a really you know fun and humorous week for me. But if I don't take some action or initiative to uh, uh, do that, then it probably isn't going to happen near as much as as I think. You know, kids laugh. Up to three hundred times a day when they're four years old, but when when we're forty, it's about four. Never thought talking to a humorist would be so depressing. <laughs> I was like, like we need like a, a sad trombone thing in the background there, like. and then when we're forty, it's four. Yeah, well, yeah,
0: well we can introduce some dramatic piano here. Just there
1: we go. I like. It. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, got, got 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 kind of serious there for a minute. On this episode of
1: the podcast, we're going to talk about why people don't laugh anymore.
0: <laughs> so you know, there there is it, it's it feels like a paradox, right? Like um, you know, like planning to be spontaneous, and right. you know, so so here I'm going to put all this effort into. I'm, I'm I'm going to get serious about my humor. You know, I'm going to get serious about laughing. Um. And yet, like like I said before, you know, you're right. We know just we feel better when we laugh. And and we can look around at people who, who are funny and see the difference it makes. Like, we like being around those people. Right, um, right. You know, and it, it's almost a stereotype that the perhaps not quite Brad Pitt looking comedian has the supermodel wife, you know. Um, right. You know, so.
1: so Every sitcom is like some like overweight ugly dude with a super hot wife uh but he's pretty funny so yeah Right
0: <laughs> Yeah no I mean it, you know that we 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 see it we feel it we want to be around people who don't take themselves too seriously and yet are still able to you know get things done Right So so where is that line or I maybe there isn't a line between Being able to laugh at ourselves, being able to laugh with others, and yet still being, you know, really focused on
1: getting great results. Yeah, yeah, you know, one of the that's a good question because I have found that life is a just a constant balance between between that. When I was uh, in elementary school, I was. You know, I love to play sports and I was kind of a class clown and whatever. And for some reason in sixth grade, I decided I was going to run for student council president. And there's no reason I should have won that because I wasn't the most popular kid in school. And I ran against the most popular girl who was really smart, really pretty, Chanel Farley. Uh, and maybe Chanel, if you listen to this podcast, hello. Uh, and um, but I... I I did like a rap to uh, the school and I wish I remembered the rap, but anyway, I did a rap and somehow I won the president of student council thing. And this was without any Russian interference or anything. I did it, did it all on my own. And, uh, and uh, it was, it was crazy because I went home and I always wore like sweatpants that, that had holes in them and my soccer Jersey to school pretty much every day. And there was something in me that knew oh my gosh, now I'm like president of student council. I need to be taken seriously. And I went home and I told my mom, uh, mom, I, I think I need to buy some Dockers. Because I I had this this knowledge that like, yeah, the all of a sudden I can't just be a jack wagon. And pretty much since then life is kind of always a balance uh, of that of, yeah, I want to have fun. I want to be myself, but people need to take me, take me seriously. And I think it, it really depends on the moment, but I will say that some people are really naturally great at humor and other people have to work on it. And for every person who's just kind of naturally funny, there are people who are like, well, this is all well and good, but I'm just not that funny. And you know, if that's you, if you're thinking, well, yeah, I'm not really all that funny, you might be right. You might not be that funny, but you're self-aware, which is like infinitely more important than being funny. Uh, but that doesn't being funny and exercising your sense of humor are two very different things uh, and appreciating. If you've ever laughed, that's your sense of humor. Um, I had a, a boss. I worked at a culinary school and uh, this was a very formal place. He was a very formal, serious man. And he was the dean of this uh, culinary school. And uh, I had a great relationship with him. I, you know, I called him the dean of cuisine. Hey, dean of cuisine, how you doing? And uh, he said, you know, Paul, you always joke around with me, but not everybody always does. How come? And I said, I think people are scared of you. And, and he, he had a great thought. He said, you know, next time we're in front of all of our colleagues at this like monthly meeting, um, you should just like bust my chops a little bit like uh, like you do behind closed doors so that I can laugh it off and people can see that like I'm easygoing, normal dude. And I thought that was a brilliant thought because he's going humor is not really my go to strategy, but I also want people to know that I have a good sense of humor. And so. As we were in our our meeting, he was uh, he was talking about something. Talk about having pride in our surroundings and cleaning up, you know, and, and making sure that where we work is is a, a nice place to work. And he said, you know, I'll be in the bathroom and I'll I'll even scrub the water spots off the mirror. You know, I just take a paper towel and scrub that mirror. And I say, well, you know, chef, uh, it doesn't matter how hard you scrub the mirror, it's going to be that same reflection looking back at you. And like everybody paused, like, oh no. And he goes, (laughs) good one, Paul. And everybody's like, (laughs) oh, you know, like this laughter of relief, like, oh, man, we weren't sure what was going to happen. Because like, you know, that dude carries knives everywhere he goes. Uh, But that was his way of showing people like I've got a good sense of humor. And um, I I thought a really brilliant idea on his part. Nice. Yeah. The...
0: You know, just like, like you said, I like, am trying to get my head around doing this strategically because, um, mm-hmm. because I, I think it's a cool idea. I mean, I I love an environment. I, I love going into businesses uh, where it's clear that people are able to have fun and laugh with each other. I mean, you can feel that just when you walk in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I I've also worked at places where, like you know, the, the guy delivering soda to the vending machine, you know, doesn't like going in because it's like going into this wall of gloom. You know, you just you just <laughs> feel it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. you
0: know, you lose your will to live three feet in the door. Yeah. And but you know, that the opposite of it, where it just feels light. It, it just feels upbeat. That doesn't mean everyone's a stand-up comedian. Um, but people are able to to joke with each other in a way that that's not mean. It's not negative. It's just I, I, lighthearted is, you know, the, the only phrase that comes to mind or the only way to describe it. Um but that is that's pretty special. I, I don't encounter that in a lot of places. So from what what you've experienced, how can a lead well, even if you're not a leader, like you know, just if you work in an environment, which we all do, um, how can you foster that in, in yourself and those around you?
1: That that's a that's a great question. And that's a lot of what I do. So you know, I might go and do a, a real fun, high energy, you know, keynote somewhere that makes people laugh and gets people feeling good and going, yeah, I, I want to have a more fun life and have more fun at work. That's great. But in that amount of time, it's like, OK, well, now what do I do uh, or what's the next step? And so with that, uh, one of the things that that all do is like work with organizations, uh, to help teach them and take their, whatever they want to call it, their fun committee, or, uh, the, the folks who are responsible for driving culture and work. I, I'm, I'm, a uh, partner with a company called the fun department, um, out in Delaware. And, uh, we'll work with groups to, help them create their culture of fun and their brand of fun um, and really kind of te- teach a process for not just because the important thing, I think, and, and, the, and where, where workplaces get it wrong is like mandating fun or telling everyone this is what you should think is fun or funny at work. And because there's nothing, there's nothing better
0: than a policy about having to have fun, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Nothing, nothing better than mandated fun. Like you will, you will find this ice cream social, uh, uh, to be a great time. Uh, yeah, it's and every climate and and culture is a little bit different. And so there are ways of, uh, working with the people there to figure out, well, what do you find fun and, and funny? And the reason that I, that I kind of started talking about fun is because we get to uh, humor and laughter and funny through groups of people having fun. We're we're thirty times more likely to laugh in groups than we are by ourselves. So a lot of what what I'll do is teach uh, folks start with fun over funny get people in groups doing fun things. And then you're naturally funny. People will be doing and saying funny things. People will start laughing and having a good time. And you're going to reap all those rewards of a well-connected um, uh, workplace. And so really the secret isn't like, here, let me give you five ways right now, which I can do, um, but like here, here's five things you can do to have more fun next week at your at your workplace. But it's, it's more of, how about we teach you how to do create these things and sustain it for the long haul, follow up with you later and see how that's going. Uh, And and I think the the big thing is creating rituals, not just like, well, we had that one awesome holiday party where everybody was wearing ugly sweaters. And then we had a really kick-ass summer barbecue. People, companies will spend thousands of dollars on stuff like that. And that doesn't change culture. What does are like, Daily, weekly, monthly rituals—small um, things that are fun for people. Mm. So, um, okay, no, can no. I give you a quick example? Yeah. Uh, so uh, here's a quick example of like, and this is any comedian will tell you that uh, one way to create humor is to start with pain points. You know, things that are annoying to you or um, whatever. And I, I got asked, uh, as I was an associate Dean and, and I got asked, Hey, we need new hand-washing signs in the bathroom. And I was like all indignant and annoyed that I was being asked to like make hand-washing, signs and thinking well, like that, I didn't get a master's degree for this and all that stuff. Uh, and then I thought, well, whatever, if, if I'm going to be the guy making hand-washing signs, I'm, uh, let me see if I can find some good ones. And, uh, uh, and and figure out something that would be funny and maybe grab attention because nobody pays attention to like employees must wash hands before they go to work signs. So I look and find these great signs with a picture of Han Solo on them. And it says, wash your Hans and put those up just because like it's fun and it's different. And maybe that'll capture people's attention. That little thing, which was fun for me and shifted my mindset from being upset about it to I had a little fun with it and now it's no big deal. Um, I had no idea that that would like be a thing. People loved it and people came to me with all sorts of new ideas for funny hand-washing signs. And so then we changed them out each month. I put someone else in charge of it and there you go. That's something that starts to affect culture. And that's a really easy, simple thing of like, what kind of signs do we have up? What's on our bulletin boards, things like that. Nice.
0: Yeah. I I love the, the, the approach of just the simple, easy, everyday things, you know, like you mentioned, yes, you, you can build a five point strategy or whatever around it, but uh, it is just the little things day in and day out that that probably has the, the biggest and most sustainable difference. And, you know, I like that, that like, this was kind of a mundane thing, like, you know, find a sign to, for the bathroom. And it became something that people wanted to participate in. And Right. Yeah, I mean, that that's just cool. I, I kind of think you you know you've been successful when other people are going, oh, yeah, I want to do the next sign.
1: Yeah, well, when they started coming to me with all their ideas, and then we start changing them out, and then people would come up to me and say, well, we haven't changed the bathroom sign in a while. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. It seems like people care. You know, when I really knew – that this was uh, something was one of my wash your Hans signs had gotten written on. And I was like, Oh man, someone defaced it. You know, I was bummed. But then when I looked closer, you know, it says wash your Hans. And then someone wrote, or else you'll be flying solo. And I was like, aha, we've got employee engagement. This is great. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's what I knew, you know, I was, I was onto something. And ultimately like it, it was good. Those little things, I mean, fun at work, should be uh, consistent, brief, inclusive, and on-company time. And th- that's where we, we start to really uh, cr- create some change. But even so, just personally for me, it just helped shift my mindset. I, I had to make the conscious choice of how can I have fun with this? Like, I'm annoyed I have to do this. Is there any possible way to have a little fun with it? Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned
0: earlier a feeling of lighthearted, but I think you you just had a better word for it there around inclusive. You, you know, making mm-hmm. the fun inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, that always feels like something we we don't do enough of. You know, so many sitcoms and and movies, it, it's the put down humor, not the inclusive humor.
1: Yeah, I mean, humor can always be used as a weapon or a tool, um, and. I, I think that put down humor and, and weaponizing humor is, I used to be really great at that. Uh, and it's like the easiest low hanging fruit form of humor. And back when I was uh, a teenager and started writing some comedy and uh, then in my early twenties, I was performing some standup. I, I was, a lot of it was really based around that. And as I started to, um, Really come to an appreciation for what humor can do. It just started naturally, kind of phasing out of of what I did, and now I, I look at humor and I think, okay, well, we can use humor in positive ways to entertain, to influence, uh, to improve health and well being. So there's a, a lot of different uh, ways to be able to use it.
0: So. You help people do this. Um, How can people find you? What's the best way for people to track you down?
1: Yeah, a couple ways. Um, If you want to just Google my name, Paul Ozenkup, O-S-I-N-C-U-P. I'm the only one in the world that I know of, so that'll be a pretty easy way. And my website's just paulozencup.com. And if you're interested in um, hearing my TED Talk on leadership and humor, You can just Google leading with laughter. So those would be two easy ways to find me. And, you know, the one other thing I'll say is if if you're at all interested in the role humor can play or in learning more about humor in professional settings and using humor in professional settings, uh, feel free to check out AATH.org, which is the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. That's uh, our humor association, where we really study uh, the impact and the application of humor um, on health and human performance.
0: Okay, I had no idea that that organization existed. Um,
1: that that's really <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an I, international organization. And we've got it, it. What what I love about it is it's so multidisciplinary. I mean, we've got folks like me who are, uh, speakers and consultants and, and comedians. Uh, but we've also got, uh, you know, folks from the, uh, American Institute of Stress, Harvard, Johns Hopkins, uh, nurses, doctors, teachers, uh, folks in nonprofit, all sorts of stuff. Ah,
0: that, that's awesome. I, I love that. I'm going to have to check that site out. Yeah. Uh, well, my, my last question and and Paul, this has been fabulous. Um, really enjoyed talking to you about this cause it's like I say, you know, I, I, you know, I enjoy humor who doesn't, but I I've never thought about it in some of the ways that we've been talking about it. And, and so anything, you know, I just love stuff that makes me think about things differently. So question I always like to ask my guests is how can the audience help you? You know, the people listening to this and we do have people, um, I think about 29 countries now, um, how can they help you out?
1: Oh, man. Well, <laughs> to be honest, if if people were to just spread positive humor, whatever whatever you find funny, uh, or whether it's at work or anywhere else, uh, find things that you think are uplifting. And help in some way. One of the hashtags sometimes I use is humor helps. Uh, so if you ever find humor to be helpful in any way, uh, spread that to others. Um, shoot me an email or, or contact me on uh, social media and, and let me know uh, because I, I find it a fascinating topic, and I also think that it really is something that we can uh, use for for good. Nice. Well, Paul, uh, again. Really appreciate
0: it. And, uh, thank you for being on today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for listening to imperfect action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What, what are you going to take from the show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear. How is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by Nutrifit. Now, I tried Nutrifit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up-and-coming businesses, so I gave it a try, and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made Nutrifit different is, one, that it mixes immediately, and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, NutraFit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that NutraFit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION. And that's written as one word, just Take Action at checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on NutriFit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So NutriFit.net. And let me know what you think.